section sixteen of psychology of the unconscious by carl jung this librivox recording is in the public domain section sixteen book four part two now it seems to be very obscure why the mystical figure of jawantapal whom miss miller in a note compares to the control spirit of the spiritualistic medium is found in such a disreputable neighbourhood that his nature name was brought into relation with this particular part of the body in order to understand this possibility we must realise that when we produce from the unconscious the first to be brought forth is the infantile material long lost in memory one must therefore take the point of view of that time in which this infantile material was still on the surface if now a much-honoured object is related in the unconscious to the anus then one must conclude that something of a high valuation was expressed thereby the question is only whether this corresponds to the psychology of the child before we enter upon this question it must be stated that the anal region is very closely connected with veneration one thinks of the traditional faeces of the great mogul an oriental tale has the same to say of christian knights who anointed themselves with the excrement of the pope and cardinals in order to make themselves formidable a patient who is characterized by a special veneration for her father had a fantasy that she saw her father sitting upon the toilet in a dignified manner and people going past greeted him effusively the association of the anal relations by no means excludes high valuation or esteem as is shown by these examples and as is easily seen from the intimate connection of faeces and gold here the most worthless comes into the closest relation with the most valuable this also happens in religious valuations i discovered at that time to my great astonishment that a young patient very religiously trained represented in a dream the crucified on the bottom of a blue flowered chamber pot namely in the form of excrements the contrast is so enormous that one must assume that the valuations of childhood must indeed be very different from ours this is actually the truth children bring to the act of defecation and the products of this an esteem and interest which later on is possible only to the hypochondriac we do not comprehend this interest until we learn that the child very early connects with it a theory of propagation the libido afflux probably accounts for the enormous interest in this act the child sees that this is the way in which something is produced in which something comes out the same child whom i reported in the little brochure uber conflicta der kindlichen seel and who had a well-developed anal theory of birth like little hans whom freud made known to us 
later contracted a habit of staying a long time on the toilet once the father grew impatient went to the toilet and called do come out of there what are you making whereupon the answer came from within a little wagon and two ponies the child was making a little wagon and two ponies that is to say things which at that time she especially wished for in this way one can make what one wishes and the thing made is the thing wished for the child wishes earnestly for a doll or at heart for a real child that is the child practised for his future biological task and in the way in which everything in general is produced he made the doll himself as representative of the child or of the thing wished for in general from a patient i have learned a parallel fantasy of her childhood in the toilet there was a crevice in the wall she fantasied that from this crevice a fairy would come out and present her with everything for which she wished the locus is known to be the place of dreams where much was wished for and created which later would no longer be suspected of having this place of origin a pathological fantasy in place here is told us by lombroso concerning two insane artists each of them considered himself god and the ruler of the world they created or produced the world by making it come forth from the rectum just as the egg of birds originates in the egg canal one of these two artists was endowed with a true artistic sense he painted a picture in which he was just in the act of creation the world came forth from his anus the membrum was in full erection he was naked surrounded by women and with all insignia of his power the excrement is in a certain sense the thing wished for and on that account it received the corresponding valuation when i first understood this connection an observation made long ago and which disturbed me greatly because i never rightly understood it became clear to me it concerned an educated patient who under very tragic circumstances had to be separated from her husband and child and was brought into the insane asylum she exhibited a typical apathy and slovenliness which was considered as effective mental deterioration even at that time i doubted this deterioration and was inclined to regard it as a secondary adjustment i took especial pains to ascertain how i could discover the existence of the affect in this case finally after more than three hours hard work i succeeded in finding a train of thought which suddenly brought the patient into a completely adequate and therefore strongly emotional state at this moment the affective connection with her was completely re-established that happened in the forenoon when i returned at the appointed time in the evening to the ward to see her she had for my reception smeared herself from head to foot with excrement and cried laughingly do i please you so she had never done that before it was plainly destined for me the impression which i received was one of a personal affront 
and as a result of this i was convinced for years after of the affective deterioration of such cases now we understand this act as an infantile ceremony of welcome or a declaration of love the origin of chawantapal that is to say an unconscious personality therefore means in the sense of the previous explanation i make produce invent him myself it is a sort of human creation or birth by the anal route the first people were made from excrement potter's earth or clay the latin lutum which really means moistened earth also has the transferred meaning of dirt in plautus it is even a term of abuse something like you scum the birth from the anus also reminds us of the motive of throwing behind oneself a well-known example is the oracular command which deucalion and pyrrha who were the only survivors from the great flood received they were to throw behind them the bones of the great mother they then threw behind them stones from which mankind sprang according to a tradition the dactyli in a similar manner sprang from dust which the nymph Anchiala threw behind her there is also humorous significance attached to the anal products the excrements are often considered in popular humour as a monument or memorial which plays a special part in regard to the criminal in the form of grumus murdy every one knows the humorous story of the man who led by the spirit through labyrinthian passages to a hidden treasure after he had shed all his pieces of clothing deposited excrement as a last guide-post on his road in a more distant past a sign of this kind possessed as great a significance as the dung of animals to indicate the direction taken simple monuments little stone figures have taken the place of this perishable mark it is noteworthy that miss miller quotes another case where a name suddenly obtruded itself parallel to the emerging into consciousness of chawantapal namely ahama rama with the feeling that it dealt with something assyrian as a possible source of this there occurred to her a surabama who made cuneiform bricks those imperishable documents made from clay the monuments of the most ancient history if it were not emphasized that the bricks are cuneiform then it might mean ambiguously wedge-shaped bricks which is more suggestive of our interpretation than that of the author miss miller remarks that besides the name ashurabama she also thought of ahasuerus or ahasverus this fantasy leads to a very different aspect of the problem of the unconscious personality while the previous materials portrayed to us something of the infantile theory of creation this fantasy opens up a vista into the dynamics of the unconscious creation of personality ahasver is as is well known the wandering jew he is characterized by endless and restless wanderings until the end of the world the fact that the author has thought of this particular name justifies us in following this trail the legends of ahasver the first literary 
traces of which belong to the thirteenth century seems to be of occidental origin and belongs to those ideas which possess indestructible vital energy the figure of the wandering jew has undergone more literary elaboration than the figure of faust and nearly all of this work belongs to the last century if the figure is not called ahasver still it is there under another name perhaps as count of saint-germain the mysterious rosicrucian whose immortality was assured and whose temporary residence the land was equally known although the stories about ahasver cannot be traced back any earlier than the thirteenth century the oral tradition can reach back considerably further and it is not an impossibility that a bridge to the orient exists there is the parallel figure of chitter or al chitter the ever youthful chitter celebrated in song by rukert the legend is purely islamitic the peculiar feature however is that chitter is not only a saint but in sufric circles rises even to divine significance in view of the severe monotheism of islam one is inclined to think of chitter as a pre-islamitic arabian divinity who would hardly be officially recognized by the new religion but might have been tolerated on political grounds but there is nothing to prove that the first traces of chitter are found in the commentaries of the koran bukhari and tabari and in a commentary to a noteworthy passage of the eighteenth surah of the koran the eighteenth surah is entitled the cave that is after the cave of the seven sleepers who according to the legend slept there for three hundred and nine years and thus escaped persecution and awoke in a new era their legend is recounted in the eighteenth sure and divers reflections were associated with it the wish fulfilment idea of the legend is very clear the mystic material for it is the immutable model of the sun's course the sun sets periodically but does not die it hides in the womb of the sea or in a subterranean cave and in the morning is born again complete the language in which this astronomic occurrence is clothed is one of clear symbolism the sun returns into the mother's womb and after some time is again born of course this event is properly an incestuous act of which in mythology clear traces are still retained not the least of which is the circumstance that the dying and resurrected gods are the lovers of their own mothers or have generated themselves through their own mothers christ as the god becoming flesh has generated himself through mary mithra has done the same these gods are unmistakable sun gods for the sun also does this in order to again renew himself naturally it is not to be assumed that astronomy came first and these conceptions of gods afterwards the process was as always inverted and it is even true that primitive magic charms of rebirth baptism superstitious usages of all sorts concerning the cure of the sick etc were projected into the heavens these youths were born from the cave the womb of mother earth like the sun gods in a new era and this was the way they vanquished death in this far they were immortal it is now interesting to see how the koran comes after long ethical contemplations in the course of the same shura to the following passage which is of a special significance for the origin of the chitter myth 
for this reason i quote the quran literally remember when moses said to his servant i will not stop till i reach the confluence of the two seas or for eighty years will i journey on but when they reached their confluence they forgot their fish and it took its way in the sea at will and when they had passed on moses said to his servant bring us our morning meal for now we have incurred weariness from this our journey he said what thinkest thou when we repaired to the rock for rest then verily i forgot the fish and not but satan made me forget it so as not to mention it and it hath taken its way in the sea in a wondrous sort he said it is this we were in quest of so they both went back retracing their footsteps then found they one of our servants to whom we had vouchsafed our mercy and whom we had instructed with our knowledge moses said to him shall i follow thee that thou teach me for guidance of that which thou hast been taught he said verily thou canst by no means have patience with me and how canst thou be patient in matters whose meaning thou comprehendest not translation rodwell page one eighty eight moses now accompanies the mysterious servant of god who does diverse things which moses cannot comprehend finally the unknown takes leave of moses and speaks to him as follows they will ask thee of dul carnine the two-horned say i will recite to you an account of him verily we established his power upon the earth and we gave him a means to accomplish every end so he followed his way until when he reached the setting of the sun he found it to set in a miry forest and hard by he found a people now follows a moral reflection then the narrative continues then he followed his course further until he came to the place where the sun rises if now we wish to know who is the unknown servant of god we are told in this passage he is dul carnine alexander the sun he goes to the place of setting and he goes to the place of rising the passage about the unknown servant of god is explained by the commentaries in a well-defined legend the servant is chitter the verdant one the never tiring wanderer who roams for hundreds and thousands of years over lands and seas the teacher and counsellor of pious men the one wise in divine knowledge the immortal the authority of the tabari associates chitter with dull carnine chitter is said to have reached the stream of life as a follower of alexander and both unwittingly had drunk of it so that they became immortal moreover chitter is identified by the old commentators with elias who also did not die but who was taken to heaven in a fiery chariot elias is helios it is to be observed that ahasver also owes his existence to an obscure place in the holy christian scriptures this place is to be found in matthew sixteen twenty eight first comes the scene where christ appoints peter as the rock of his church and nominates him the governor of his power after that follows the prophecy of his death and then comes the passage verily i say unto you there be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the son of man coming in his kingdom here follows the scene of the transfiguration and was transfigured before them and his face did shine as the sun and his raiment was white as the light and behold there appeared unto them moses and elias 
talking with him then answered peter and said unto jesus lord it is good for us to be here if thou wilt let us make here three tabernacles one for thee and one for moses and one for elias from these passages it appears that christ stands on the same plane as elias without being identified with him although the people consider him as elias the ascension places christ as identical with elias the prophecy of christ shows that there exists aside from himself one or more immortals who shall not die until parosi according to john twenty one twenty second verse the boy john was considered as one of these immortals and in the legend he is in fact not dead but merely sleeping in the ground until parosi and breathes so that the dust swirls round his grave as is evident there are passable bridges from christ by way of elias to chitter and ahasuerus it is said in an account of this legend that dull carnine led his friend chitter to the source of life in order to have him drink of immortality alexander also bathed in the stream of life and performed the ritual ablutions as i previously mentioned in a footnote according to matthew seventeen twelfth verse john the baptist is elias therefore primarily identical with chitter now however it is to be noted that in the arabian legend chitter appears rather as a companion or accompanied chitter with dal carnine or with elias like unto them or identified with them there are therefore two similar figures who resemble each other but who nevertheless are distinct the analogous situation in the christian legend is found in the scene by the jordan where john leads christ to the source of life christ is there the subordinate john the superior similar to dalcarnine and chitter or chitter and moses also elias the latter relation especially is such that Vollers compares chitter and elias on the one side with gilgamesh and his immortal brother Iabani, on the other side with the dioscuri one of whom is immortal the other mortal this relation is also found in christ and john the baptist on the one hand and christ and peter on the other the last named parallel only finds its explanation through comparison with the mithraic mysteries where the esoteric contents are revealed to us through monuments upon the mithraic marble relief of Klagenfurt, it is represented how with a halo mithra crowns helios who either kneels before him or else floats up to him from below mithra is represented on a mithraic monument of osterberken as holding in his right hand the shoulder of the mystic ox above helios who stands bowed down before him the left hand resting on a sword hilt a crown lies between them on the ground cumont observes about this scene that it probably represents the divine prototype of the ceremony of the initiation into the degree of miles in which a sword and a crown were conferred upon the mystic helios is therefore appointed the miles of mithra in a general way mithra seems to occupy the role of patron to helios which reminds us of the boldness of hercules towards helios upon his journey towards geryon helios burns too hotly hercules full of anger threatens him with his never-failing arrows therefore helios is compelled to yield 
and lends to the hero his sonship with which he was accustomed to journey across the sea thus hercules returns to erethia to the cattle herds of Geryon. on the monument at Klagenfurt, mithra is furthermore represented pressing helios's hand either in farewell or as a ratification in a further scene mithra mounts the chariot of helios either for the ascension or the sea journey cumont is of the opinion that mithra gives to helios a sort of ceremonious investiture and consecrates him with his divine power by crowning him with his own hands this relation corresponds to that of christ to peter peter through his symbol the cock has the character of a sun god after the ascension or sea journey of christ he is the visible pontiff of the divinity he suffers therefore the same death crucifixion as christ and becomes the great roman deity sol invictus the conquering triumphant church itself embodied in the pope in the scene of malchus he is always shown as the miles of christ to whom the sword is granted and as the rock upon which the church is founded the crown is also given to him who possesses the power to bind and to set free thus christ like the sun is the visible god whereas the pope like the heir of the roman caesars is solus invicti comus the setting sun appoints a successor whom he invests with the power of the sun dog carnine gives chitter eternal life chitter communicates his wisdom to moses there even exists a report according to which the forgetful servant of joshua drinks from the well of life whereupon he becomes immortal and is placed in a ship by chitter and moses as a punishment and is cast out to sea once more a fragment of a sun myth the motive of the sea journey the primitive symbol which designates that portion of the zodiac in which the sun with the winter solstice again enters upon the yearly course is the goat fish sign the ipalpos the sun mounts like a goat to the highest mountain and later goes into the water as a fish the fish is the symbol of the child for the child before his birth lives in the water like a fish and the sun because it plunges into the sea becomes equally child and fish the fish however is also a phallic symbol also a symbol for the woman briefly stated the fish is a libido symbol and indeed as it seems predominantly for the renewal of the libido the journey of moses with his servant is a life journey eighty years they grow old and lose their life force libido that is they lose the fish which pursues its course in a marvellous manner to the sea which means the setting of the sun when the two notice their loss they discover at the place where the source of life is found where the dead fish revived and sprang into the sea chitter wrapped in his mantle sitting on the ground according to another version he sat on an island in the sea or in the wettest place on earth that is he was just born from the maternal depths where the fish vanished chitter the verdant one was born as a son of the deep waters his head veiled a kabir a proclaimer of divine wisdom the old babylonian oannes ea who was represented in the form of a fish and daily came from the sea as a fish to teach the people wisdom his name was brought into connection with john's with the rising of the renewed sun all that lived in darkness as water animal or fish 
surrounded by all terrors of night and death became as the shining fiery firmament of the day thus the words of john the baptist gain especial meaning i indeed baptize you with water unto repentance but he that cometh after me is mightier than i whose shoes i am not worthy to bear he shall baptize you with the holy ghost and with fire with volors we may also compare jitter and elias moses and his servant joshua with gilgamesh and his brother Iabani. gilgamesh wandered through the world driven by anxiety and longing to find immortality his path led him across the seas to the wise Atnapishtim noah who knew how to cross the waters of death there gilgamesh had to dive down to the bottom of the sea for the magical herb which was to lead him back to the land of men when he had come again to his native land a serpent stole the magic plant from him the fish again slid into the sea but on the return from the land of the blessed an immortal mariner accompanied him who banished by a curse of utnapishtim was forbidden to return to the land of the blessed gilgamesh's journey had lost its purpose on account of the loss of the magic herb instead he is accompanied by an immortal whose fate indeed we cannot learn from the fragments of the epic this banished immortal is the model for ahasver as jensen aptly remarked again we encounter the motive of dioscuri mortal and immortal setting and rising sun this motive is also represented as if projected from the hero the sacrificium mithriacum the sacrifice of the bull is in its religious representation very often flanked by the two dadophores cautes and cautopates one with a raised and the other with a lowered torch they represent brothers who reveal their character through the symbolic position of the torch cumont connects them not without meaning with the sepulchral erotes who as genii with the reversed torches have traditional meaning the one is supposed to stand for death and the other for life i cannot refrain from mentioning the similarity between the sacrificium mithriacum where the sacrifice bull in the centre is flanked on both sides by dadephores to the christian sacrifice of the lamb ram the crucified is also traditionally flanked by the two thieves one of whom ascends to paradise while the other descends to hell the idea of the mortal and the immortal seems to have passed also into the christian worship semitic gods are often represented as flanked by two paradroi for example baal of edessa accompanied by aziz and monimotes baal as the sun accompanied by mars and mercury as expressed in astronomical teachings according to the chaldean view the gods are grouped into triads in this circle of ideas belongs also the trinity the idea of the triune god in which christ must be considered in his unity with the father and the holy ghost so too do the two thieves belong inwardly to christ the two dedophores are as cumont points out nothing but offshoots from the chief figure of mithra to whom belongs a mysterious threefold character according to an account of dionysus Areopagita, the magician celebrated a festival tone patala mythopa of the threefold mithra an observation likewise referring to the trinity is made by plutarch concerning ormuz 
Lethias, having expanded himself threefold he departed from the sun the trinity as three different states of the unity is also a christian thought in the very first place this suggests a sun myth an observation by macrobius one eighteen seems to lend support to this idea in latin now these differences in the seasons refer to the sun which seems at the winter solstice an infant such as the egyptians on a certain day bring out of their sanctuaries at the vernal equinox it is represented as a youth later at the summer solstice its age is represented by a full growth of beard while at the last the god is represented by the gradually diminishing form of an old man as cumon observes cautes and catapetes occasionally carry in their hands the head of a bull and a scorpion taurus and scorpio are equinoctial signs which clearly indicate that the sacrificial scene refers primarily to the sun cycle the rising sun which sacrifices itself at the summer solstice and the setting sun in the sacrificial scene the symbol of the rising and setting sun was not easily represented therefore this idea was removed from the sacrificial image we have pointed out above that the dioscuri represent a similar idea although in a somewhat different form the one sun is always mortal the other immortal as this entire sun mythology is merely a psychologic projection to the heavens the fundamental thesis probably is as follows just as man consists of a mortal and immortal part so the sun is a pair of brothers one being mortal the other immortal this thought lies at the basis of all theology in general man is indeed mortal but there are some who are immortal or there is something in us which is immortal thus the gods a chitter or a saint germain are our immortal part which though incomprehensible dwells among us somewhere comparison with the sun teaches us over and over again that the gods are libido it is that part of us which is immortal since it represents that bond through which we feel that in the race we are never extinguished it is life from the life of mankind it springs which well up from the depths of an unconscious come as does our life in general from the root of the whole of humanity since we are indeed only a twig broken off from the mother and transplanted since the divine in us is the libido we must not wonder that we have taken along with us in our theology ancient representations from olden times which give the triune figure to the god we have taken this patadalaf threefold god from the phallic symbolism the originality of which may well be uncontested the male genitals are the basis for this trinity it is an anatomical fact that one testicle is generally placed somewhat higher than the other and it is also a very old but nevertheless still surviving superstition that one testicle generates a boy and the other a girl a late babylonian bas-relief from la jard's collection seems to be in accordance with this view in the middle of the image stands an androgynous god masculine and feminine face upon the right male side is found a serpent with a sun halo round its head upon the left female side there is also a serpent with the moon above its head above the head of the god there are three stars this ensemble would seem to confirm the trinity of the representation the sun serpent at the right side is male the serpent at the left side is female signified by the moon this image possesses a symbolic sexual suffix which makes the sexual significance of the whole obtrusive upon the male side a rhomb is found a favorite symbol of the female genitals upon the female side there is a wheel or felly a wheel always refers to the sun but the spokes are thickened and enlarged at the ends which suggests phallic symbolism 
it seems to be a phallic wheel which was not unknown in antiquity there are obscene bas-reliefs where cupid turns a wheel of nothing but phalli it is not only the serpent which suggests the phallic significance of the sun i quote one especially marked case from an abundance of proof in the antique collection of at verona i discovered a late a late roman mystic inscription in which are the following representations these symbols are easily read sun phallus moon vagina uterus this interpretation is confirmed by another figure of the same collection there the same representation is found only the vessel is replaced by the figure of a woman the impressions on coins where in the middle a palm is seen encoiled by a snake flanked by two stones testicles or else in the middle a stone encircled by a snake to the right a palm to the left a shell female genitals should be interpreted in a similar manner in Lajard's researches the cult of venus there is a coin of perga where artemis of perga is represented by a conical stone phallic flanked by a man claimed to be men and by a female figure claimed to be artemis men the so-called lunus is found upon an attic bas-relief apparently with the spear but fundamentally a sceptre with a phallic significance flanked by pan with a club phallus and a female figure the traditional representation of the crucified flanked by john and mary is closely associated with this circle of ideas precisely as is the crucified with the thieves from this we see how beside the sun there emerges again and again the much more primitive comparison of the libido with the phallus and a special trace still deserves mention here the data for katapatis who represents mithra is also represented with the cock and the pineapple but these are the attributes of the phrygian god men whose cult was widely diffused men was represented with pileus the pineapple and the cock also in the form of a boy just as the dataphores are boyish figures this last-named property relates them with men to the kabiri men has a very close connection with attis the son and lover of cybele in the time of the roman caesars men and attis were entirely identified as stated above attis also wears the pileus like men mithra and the dataphores as the son and lover of his mother he again leads us to the source of this religion creating incest libido namely to the mother incest leads logically to ceremony castration in the attic cybele cult for the hero driven insane by his mother mutilates himself i must at present forego entering more deeply into this matter because the incest problem is to be discussed at the close let this suggestion suffice that from different directions the analysis of the libido symbolism always leads back again to the mother incest therefore we may surmise that the longing of the libido raised to god repressed into the unconscious is a primitive incestuous one which concerns the mother through renouncing the virility to the first beloved the mother the feminine element becomes extremely predominant hence the strongly androgynous character of the dying and resurrected redeemer that these heroes are nearly always wanderers is a psychologically clear symbolism the wandering is a representation of longing of the ever restless desire which nowhere finds its object for unknown to itself it seeks the lost mother the wandering association renders the sun comparison easily intelligible also under this aspect the heroes always resemble the wandering sun which seems to justify the fact that the myth of the hero is a sun myth but the myth of the hero however 
is as it appears to me the myth of our own suffering unconscious which has an unquenchable longing for all the deepest sources of our own being for the body of the mother and through it for communion with infinite life in the countless forms of existence here i must introduce the words of the master who has divined the deepest roots of faustian longings unwilling i reveal a loftier mystery in solitude are throned the goddesses no space around them place and time still less only to speak of them embarrasses they are the mothers goddesses unknown to ye the mortals named by us unwillingly delve in the deepest depths must thou to reach them tis thine own fault that we for help beseech them where is the way no way to the unreachable ne'er to be trodden away to the unbeseechable never to be besought art thou prepared there are no locks no latches to be lifted through endless solitudes shalt thou be drifted hast thou through solitudes and deserts dared and hadst thou swum to farthest verge of ocean and there the boundless space beheld still hadst thou seen wave after wave in motion even though impending doom thy fear compelled thou hast seen something in the barrel dim of peace lulled seas the sport of dolphins swim hadst seen the flying clouds sun moon and star naught shalt thou see an endless void afar not hear thy footstep fall nor meet a stable spot to rest thy feet here take this key the key will scent the true place from all others follow it down twill lead thee to the mothers descend then i could also say ascend twere all the same escape from the created to shapeless forms and liberated spaces enjoy what long ere this was dissipated there whirls the press like clouds on clouds unfolding then with stretched arm swing high the key thou art holding at last a blazing tripod tells thee this that there the utterly deepest bottom is its light to thee will then the mothers show some in their seats the others stand or go at their own will formation transformation the eternal mind's eternal recreation forms of all creatures there are floating free they'll see thee not for only wraiths they see so pluck up heart the danger then is great go to the tripod ere thou hesitate and touch it with the key End of section sixteen